We're so glad that you chose to worship with us on this first Sunday of 2020. Everybody say 2020. 2020. I got to get used to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I know that God has some good things in store for us. And I know some of you have had some difficult and challenging things going on in 2019. But folks, 2019 is behind us. Somebody say amen. amen. And if you look at it, look at it in the rearview mirror, not in this way. Come on, somebody. It can be perspective, like going down the road. Every now and then I'll look in my rearview mirror, but I don't drive looking in my rearview mirror. How many of you know if I was driving looking through my rearview mirror, I may have an accident? And you know, I think there's a lot of spiritual accidents because people are looking backwards instead of looking forward. Come on, somebody. And I don't know about you, but I don't handle change easy. Hello. I don't. And I know some of you don't. And, but the thing of it is, change is happening all around us. And let me give you another one of those little uh, tidbits, words of knowledge. The butterfly does not look back at the caterpillar in shame. Just as you should not look back at your past in shame. Your past was part of your own transformation. Will that preach? I mean, folks, you think about it, you know, you, you, know, you look at the caterpillar, and it doesn't look like much, but when the transformation is final, we see the beautiful butterfly flying around. And, and, and you know what's happening in us? There's things that's happening in our lives that gets us to that transformation, you know. And Paul said that in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, uh, you know, so, you know, don't get uh, put in a, a corner. Don't get put in a pit, but be, be transformed. And, and we all find ourselves in places like that. Today I'm calling the message, Restoring 2020 Vision. How many of you have 2020 eyesight? Let me see your hands. Would you just raise your hand? Look at this. Look at this. Let's give them all a hand. Wow. And I hope you have it to the day you die. But on the flip side of that, you may not. Come on, somebody. Many people have lost their vision. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned to get my vision back, my 2020 vision back. It's called glasses. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and I want to, with that thought in mind, I want to talk to you today from my heart and from the scripture and some things about how that we can get our 2020 vision spiritually back in our lives. And God wants it that way for us. And I believe that, that uh, you know, we've had all kinds of trauma in our lives and sometimes it, it causes us to lose vision and lose faith. And God wants all that restored. Now, they're, they're not, not be able to, to see our way out of some kind of message, but, uh, message, but let's don't lose hope because God has some things in store for us. And maybe people have lost their vision. Maybe they've lost their finances. Maybe they've lost their uh, family situations or health situation or job situations. Uh, but, you know, again, God knows exactly where you are, and God knows where to get you where you need to be. Somebody say Amen. And that's where we're going with this message today. Now, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, and it's one of the most famous verses in the Scripture as far as I'm concerned. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You have to have vision. If, if, if you're going to make it in life, you need to have and you have to have vision. You have to have it. You've got to have it. And, and the word vision um, in where there is no vision where the people perish. That it's a Hebrew word. It's called hazon. And hazon literally means a dream. Everybody say a dream. A vision means a dream. You know, the last day says, God, I'll pour up my spirit. Your uh, young men will uh, uh, have visions. Your old men will what? Dream dreams. Uh, you know, it's just a different perspective of that. But you've got to have a dream in life to really be successful in life. You've got to have a goal. You've got to have a vision for your life. Can I get a witness? Amen. And we all need that. So you have to know where you're going in life. In other words, you're just kind of what we call drifting in life. 
And you don't want to do that. So where there's no vision, where there's no goal, where there's no uh, uh, purpose, the people perish. Now, some of you have went to the grocery store and you've bought produce and you brought it home and you put it in your refrigerator and you forgot about it. And what happens to it? It perishes. It'll perish. And that's exactly what happens with us when we don't have a vision. And I'm going to help you today to, to get your vision restored, okay? So we all know what perish means. You know, when, when you brought that food home and, and it begins to perish, it begins to stink, and it begins to just cause a mess, and you have to get rid of it. What was something that was really good, now you have to throw out in the trash. So the word perish here actually means para, and in the Hebrew it means out of control. And that's exactly what happens with our lives. Our lives will get out of control. Unless you have a vision, unless you have a dream, unless you know where you're going, your life can be out of, out, uh, you know, out of control. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18, verse 35. We're going to have it on the screen for you this morning if you want to look at it. And we're going to look at this scripture in a passage of, of scripture where Jesus met with a blind man and what happened there and how his sight was restored and, and, how, and what we can uh, glean from this uh, passage. So, verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd was going by, he asked, what's happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way, in other words, the people who were at the front of the crowd with Jesus, rebuked the blind man, and they told him to be quiet. But he shouted the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped, and he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near to Jesus, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, that's a profound statement right there and a question, and, and we're going to get back to that. And we're going to come back to that later. Jesus wants to ask you a question today, the same question. What, does he, what do you want him to do for you? What do you want him to do for you? And the blind man said, Lord, I want to see, blind Bartimaeus replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his vision and followed Jesus, praising God with all the people saw it. They also praised God. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you today that you are with us. And if you're with us, who could be against us? And Lord, as we enter this, this first Sunday of 2020, we need vision. We need your help. We need your guidance. We need your favor. And today, Lord, I just pray that you administer to our minds and our hearts. And God, help us uh, to get back to where we need to be with you and have that 2020 spiritual vision in our lives, those dreams to come alive again. And we just, we just lay everything at your feet today. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Helen Keller, who was blind from birth and death also, was once asked, isn't it a great tragedy to be blind? And she made the famous reply, it's a greater tragedy to have eyes and not see. Come on, somebody. There are a lot of people who can see physically, but they have no vision for their life. They don't know where they're going. They don't have a vision for their marriage. They don't have a vision for their family. They don't have a vision for their kids. Now, and let me just take a step back here. As a, as a minister, and I used to be a district superintendent, and I still sometimes are called on to, uh, you know, help uh, younger ministers. And some of you know that I work at the United Theological Seminary, and there I'm helping pastors get their doctorate and working through that and doing some counseling. And let me tell you this. This past week, I was mentoring one of the pastors in the Open Bible, and, 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 you know, this is something that I had said about pastoring and ministering. One of the first things we need to do is get it right with God, but the second, we need to get it right with our family. Somebody say amen. 
And, and what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world lost his own soul? I mean, we, we've got to get it right back in our family first. Let me tell you something. It starts there. Come on, somebody. In your marriage, with your children, and, and, and all, all of these things that matter, you know. And, and, and you could just be burning the candle at both ends. But you know what? If you don't have it right with your family and, and with those near you, how can you ever have it right with somebody else? Somebody say Amen. Now, we to love the Lord thy God with all their heart, our soul, or mind. Love our neighbor. And you know what? If you don't love yourself, it's hard for you to love other people. And, and we got to work on these things. So there's a lot of people that they can see physically, but, you know, they don't have a vision for their marriage or their kids or their family. They don't have a vision for their finances. They don't have a vision for their health. And, and folks, let me tell you something. It's very important that we have vision for all of that. Somebody say amen. They have no vision for their ministry. They don't have a dream or, or a vision at all. So most people go through life without vision, and they're spiritually blind. Can I get a witness? And you've been around people that, you know, you, when you talk to them, it's kind of like, oh, you can realize real quickly that, they, they, that, you know, there's a spiritual blindness there. So from the healing of a physical blindness of blind Bartimaeus, we also see some profound principles that I want you to look at this morning. And how to get back to the vision. And the first one is, go to the next slide. The first one is, number one, I need to believe Jesus can change your situation. You need to believe that Jesus can change your situation. Now, you know what? You might say, you don't know my situation. Well, one thing about it, I know this blind man's situation. Come on, somebody. And I think to me, one of the, one of the things that, 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 that would be so difficult to overcome is to not have physical sight, to not be able to see. And this is exactly where blind Bartimaeus was. So the starting point, that's the starting point. You call it hope. And you've got you, you to call it the hope step, okay? And the hope step is everything starts with hope. Blind Bartimaeus had hope as he called out. And when he said, you talk about David, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew who the son of David was. He knew he was talking about the Messiah, the one who was going to change everything. And he heard that that was him. That was that Jesus. He knew that not only could he change things in, in, in Jerusalem and in Israel, but he could change things in his life. And, and, and so he had the hope. So if you don't have hope, let me tell you something, you've got no power to cope. Come on, somebody. And you have to have hope to, uh, to change things. Can I get a witness? So if you don't have hope, you know, if you don't have any hope, you can't change things. Things are going to stay the same in your life. You, it starts with hope. And hope is believing that Jesus can change your situation. How many of you believe uh, uh, God can do all things? How many of you believe all things are possible with God? See, you've got to believe that. If I believe in the virgin birth, and i got to sometimes, even myself, i got to walk things back. i got to think about, you know, how big God is. And, 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 you know, you might say, well, you don't know how big my mountain is. Well, I know one thing. My God's bigger than your mountain. And it starts with that. And that's where your hope is. You've got you to gotta put things in perspective. Yeah, you may have, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you don't have a problem, but I'm saying God's bigger than your problem. And I say we can have hope in God. Somebody say amen. Look at verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, notice the next word there, when. Everybody say when. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he began to cry out, oh my goodness, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to get my healing. Imagine this that there's a lot of blind guys sitting there. There was other blind guys there. I'm sure of it. There's other blind guys around. But there was only one that was, you know, realized who Jesus was and realized that Jesus could change his situation. Amen. He not only, you know, he's not the only one there, but he began to cry out. But he was the only one that cried out to Jesus. Jesus, hey, I'm over here. See me. Look at my situation. Look at my need. And the crowd looked around at this guy and thinks, well, he's being rude. He's crying in desperation. And, and you know, it, can, you, can you imagine that? Now, this was not a, a cry of desperation. It was a cry of hope. Come on, somebody. Because he realized who Jesus was. Why? Because if he didn't believe Jesus could heal him, 
you know, he, he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have had embarrassed himself. He believed that Jesus could change his situation. And folks, let me tell you something. He could change your situation this morning. Whatever it is, Jesus can change your situation. And the reason why so many people have lost hope and just drifting by is because they're looking for hope in all the wrong places. Your hope is not in the stock market. Come on, somebody. How many of you know the stock market's going to go up and it's going to go down? But it's not there. I'm, I'm not telling you, you know, I'm telling you to be wise in whatever decisions you're making. I'm not saying not put money in the stock market. I'm just saying that your hope can't be there. Come on, somebody. Because it could, it, it could all be gone tomorrow. Your hope's got to be in Jesus. Come on, somebody. Your hope cannot be in your retirement. Come on, somebody. Because it may not be a retirement there for you. Your hope's got to be in God. Amen. Your hope should be not in your job or in the economy or in the government. Uh, and, 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 you know, they're all good, but they can all fail you. But God will never fail you. Amen? So your hope should be not in your job, but in God. So some people put their hope in all the wrong places. And maybe, you know, if I can get this relationship, I'll have hope. Or, you know, or maybe if I can get this uh, uh, this job, I'll have hope. Or maybe if I do this or that, I'll have hope. Folks, let me tell you something. Your hope is in God. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's where you need to keep your hope. And everything else is going to, you know, perish. Everything else is going to go away. But if you have hope in God, it's going to stay. Somebody say amen. amen. And they try all kinds of different things to find hope. But there's only one source of hope. And it's not in the internet. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's not in relationships. It's not in any person. It's not any trick or, or therapy. Or It's only in God. Your hope needs to be in God. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me give you the next scripture. Look at the next scripture. First Peter. God paid for you with precious lifeblood of Christ. Wasn't that a great message that Dan uh, did last week? You know, nothing but the blood. Folks, we got to get back to the basics. And let me tell you something, we really don't have anything that can get us out of our situation. But let me tell you something, God's already supplied the need. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can give me hope again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We, we need that, amen? And, and, and uh, Peter talks about that. In other words, he paid for your salvation when Jesus died for you. And, and, and you know, you, you, there's nothing you could do about that. There's nothing you can even add to that. He did it all on the cross. Somebody say amen. amen. He did it for you. Because of this, you can trust. You can trust him. You can trust, uh, and your trust can be in God who raised Christ from the dead. And if he raised Christ from the dead, he can also raise your body. Come on, somebody. And that's the hope we have. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Amen. So, let's go to number two. Number two, the second step. The first step is hope. The second, second step is a resistance step, okay? You, you must ignore all the negative voices. How many of you would agree that there's a lot of negative voices around today? Folks, I'll tell you, everywhere I've turned around, there's a negative voice. There's been negative voices in my life since I was just a little boy, telling me I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that or I, I would never do that. I know when, when, when Angie and I got married, they said, well, in the last six months, well, it's been 51 years. I think we're going to make it. <laughs> I told you the story that they asked Ruth Graham about. Did you ever think about divorcing Billy, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth. You ever think about, no? She said, but I thought about killing him at times. <laughs> but there's some things you just don't put in, you just don't put them out there. We're not going to do that. We're going to work through it. Come on, somebody. But there's negative voices. And there's negative voices all around you that will pull you back from where God wants you to be. Now, some people don't want you to have a vision or a dream in your life or a goal in your life. Why? They don't want you to go after that brass ring. Why? They're not doing it, and they don't want you to do it. They couldn't do it, and they, they're saying, you can't do it either. But folks, let me tell you something. You don't have to listen to that negative voice. Come on, somebody. They'll say, you don't need to lose any weight. You look okay the same way you are. 
Well, if you listen to negative voices, you'll never lose weight. Come on, somebody. You've got to push through that and say, well, that may work for you, but for me, this is what I'm going to do at this time, okay? So if you're going to break out of drifting or break out of discouragement or break out of despair or break out of depression or, or break out of uh, discard, you know, disregard, for the, you've got to have a disregard for the people around you, who do you think you are, they'll say. You can't do that. See, those are those negative voices that come through and try to put us down or put us back or put us in a box. Let me tell you something. You don't need to let anybody put you in a box. Come on, somebody. And you can have a vision beyond that. You'll never be able to do that, they say. Just forget about that dream. Uh, it will never happen. You're never going to change, uh, you, you know, your uh, marriage. You're never going to change your weight. You're never going to change your situation. Folks, if we're listening to negative voices, let me tell you something. You're right. It won't change. But you've got to be listening to the voice of God. Amen. And that's what blind Bartimaeus did that day. He listened to the voice of God. So your future is never going to change. People will criticize your vision, and they'll say that it's stupid. But let me tell you something, folks. You don't need to be listening to, uh, to the, the naysayers. You need to be listening to God. So Brian Bartimaeus, he knows that if he starts shouting out and calling attention to himself, uh, that's not going to be a popular thing to do in a crowd. Nobody is going to like him or like them to do that. In fact, everybody's going to be disapproving of that, okay? And, it, it, and it's going to be considered rude, yeah, okay. But it's this only chance that he has, and he gets what we call desperate. Have you ever been desperate? Have you ever been to that place you just need? And let me tell you something. When you get to that place where you want things to change in your life and you get a little desperate, let me tell you something. Things can change. Come on, somebody. But it usually it's going to have to get to that place where, you know, you're almost put in a corner. You know, you're almost your back to the wall. And it just seems like everything's against you. But you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to have hope in God. I can get out of this situation. Come on, somebody. I don't have to stay in this financial situation, this debt on my back. Let me tell you something. You know what? You can be debt free. Come on, somebody. And we'll talk about that at the end of the service this morning in you know, one of the announcements. And you, you need to listen up on that. Look at verse 39. Those who led the way, those who were at the beginning of the crowd, when they heard Barnabas shouting at Jesus, they rebuked him. That was a negative voice rebuking him. Have you ever been rebuked by someone? Have you ever had someone to say something to you that, Man, you just seemed like you was on cloud nine and things were just going, you know, you had hope and you was, and then all of a sudden, how many of you know it's easy for someone to put a pin in your balloon? Come on, somebody. Just kind of deflate you, let the air out of you, let the, you know, and, and, and that's what they did to Blood Bartimaeus. They rebuked him and, and, and they told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So my question this morning, are you going to let the crowd and people around you and their negative voices, are you going to let them rule your life or are you going to let God rule your life? What's the crowd doing? The crowd's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, saying, keep it cool. You know, chill out. What are they doing? Jesus is an important person and you're just an old blind beggar. What are you doing here? Shut up. Be quiet. They rebuked him. They pushed him in a corner. And he's felt that way all of his life. Can you imagine being blind? I mean, just the thought of that, you know, not being able to see and hearing the voices and hearing things. And all of a sudden, you hear God's voice. You hear that God's walking by. Come on, somebody. You hear the Son of God, Son of David's coming by. And you have your chance. <laughs> he wasn't thinking about being cool. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> he was thinking about getting his need met. The crowd saying, Blind Barnabas is surely Jesus would not be interested in a person like you. The crowd saying to the blind beggar, Jesus would not be interested in a person like you. Here's how this affects us. Here's how this affects us. Listen up. Here's how this affects us. We say that to ourselves all the time. Folks, sometimes we can be the worst, our worst enemy. Yeah. 
Have you ever said that to yourself? You know, I have, and I believe all of us here have. And I believe we could hear, our, you know, we, we, we're, we're talking to ourselves, and, 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 and sometimes we're, we're our worst enemy on that. And maybe other people don't say it to you, but sometimes you say it to you. And, and, and you know, and, and you know I, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, let me tell you something. When you start out saying, I can't do that, you won't do that. But you've got to say, with God, all things are possible. And you've got to believe in God. Come on, somebody. And certainly the devil puts it in your mind and says, surely you've got to be kidding yourself. You think Jesus would be interested in a person like you? Maybe a nun. <laughs> Maybe a missionary. Maybe a saint. But you, I don't think so. You know, we get these feelings, these thoughts, you know. You got to get that little guy off your shoulders. Come on, somebody. Get out of here. Didn't Jesus say, get thee behind me, Satan? More than one time. And sometimes you just got to speak to the old enemy and sometimes the enemy can be your old self. Yeah. See, self and sin are pretty close. Come on, somebody. It's called the flesh. And, and the spirit man understands that. Uh, you know, the natural man, they don't understand the things of the spirit, but the spirit man understands that. And sometimes you've got to put that devil in his place, and you've got to you know, speak to yourself and speak to the enemy in, in, in many different ways. The Bible says that when you... Fear the disapproval of other people, you are a disabled person. Let me say it again. The Bible says that when you fear the disapproval of other people, you are a disabled person. The Bible says that, that worrying about the approval of other people is a spiritual trap. Let me tell you something. You know, to catch something, you know, you lay a trap. And that's what the enemy does. He lays little traps to try to catch us. Let me give you a scripture on that, okay? Let's talk more about that. Look at Proverbs 29, 25. I think it's on the screen there for you. The fear of human opinions disables. The fear of human opinions disables. It, it, it disables you. You have dis, disabled emotions if you're caught in the trap of fearing. You see, fear paralyzes. Come on, somebody. And, and it, it'll freeze you up. It'll paralyze you. And that's what the enemy does. He wants to put fear. Let me tell you something. It, it, you know, God is not in the spirit of fear. Somebody say amen. amen. But of love, power, and a sound mind. You know, and we need to understand that that's how the enemy operates. The fear of human disables. Trusting in God protects you. Look at the next part of that. Trusting in God protects you from that. You're either going to fear other people or you're going to trust God, and the choice is yours today. Come on, somebody. What are you going to do? And someone says, you cannot rise to that occasion. You cannot do that. You cannot do this. And, and you know, you're thinking, well, with God's help, I can. Let me tell you something. All things are possible with God's help. And you need to understand that. You need to realize that. So if, everybody say if. if. Say if. if. If you're going to get your vision back, you've got to have hope. And you've got to believe that Jesus can change your situation. And you've got to ignore the negative voices. And number three, write this one down. Go to the next slide. You must listen to God's call. How many of you have a cell phone? Ten of you. <laughs> maybe, it should, maybe you didn't hear me. How many of you have a cell phone? Do, do you know era that I grew up in? Nobody had a cell phone. Yeah, that's it right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like, hey. You know, we went through an era, all kinds of little things to get our attention. Remember those little things that give you a little message? Yeah, a little beeper. Yeah, that's what they call them. Yeah. So all kinds of little things along the way, you know. But today everybody's got a cell phone. And how many of you know sometimes we get a call and we don't want to answer it? My son Jacob never answers his phone. If I want to get to him, I got to text him. Now he's a, you know, this is a generation, I guess. He likes a text, you know. I like to talk. He likes to text. I'm a talker. He's a texter. 
I'm going with this. I'm going somewhere with this. Sometimes, now there's calls that I get sometimes. I look at them. I don't know who that is. How many of you get one of those calls that they won't sell you something, huh? You know, I mean, you know, it's like, or they want your information. And folks, I'll tell you, don't be naive when you get a call and someone, you know, I, I got one here that says something about, you know, there's going to turn the power off here in one hour if I didn't get, uh, you know, you, you know what I'm saying, one of those calls. You know, and what they want you to do is call, give you a lot of information where they can just rip you off. Don't fall for that, folks. You, you know, and, and, you know pe- Christians need to be sharper than anybody. Come on, somebody. And we need, you know, we need to like, no, 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 no. No, I'm not going to fall for that. No, no, no. So you must listen to God's call. This is what I call the attention step. Of getting your vision back. Guys, listen up this morning. <laughs> okay, you've got to pay attention to God which means you have to settle down and you have to slow down to hear God. You you know, you're going to have to stop being so busy and you've got to be quiet enough to hear God. Sometimes we're just so busy and we're doing and all the other things. We're doing the work of God. We're doing the work of the Lord and forget the Lord of the work. Come on, somebody. In other words, we, we tw- twist that around. We turn that around. So this is what I call the attention gap, okay? You know, you've got to stop being so busy. Look at verse 49. This guy's yelling, hey, Jesus, notice me. And they all tell him to shut up, and, and he keeps yelling. Notice me, notice me. Verse 49, so Jesus stopped and said, what? Call him. Folks, there's times that God calls you, and you've got to be listening for the call. You guys heard the story of the guy that, you know, he's talking about he's in the flood, and, and he, he said, Lord, the waters are rising up in my house. He had to get up on top of the roof, and you know, it was just rising and rising and rising. He said, Lord, you've got to help me, and God says, I will. So a guy come by to help him. He said, no, God's going to help me. Another guy come by. No, no, God's going to help me. A guy come by in a boat. God's going to help me. A guy come by in a helicopter. No, no, God's going to help me. He drowned and went to heaven. He said, Lord, you told me you was going to help me. He said, I tried three times. <laughs> I tried three times. How many of you know you got to listen to the call? So he's calling you. You must listen for God's call. Calling and vision kind of go together. Meaning, meaning, God's call for your life is God's vision for your life. They go together. That call, and we're going to talk about that. If you want to know God's vision for your life, you've got to know God's call on your life. Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. Meaning, everybody's called by God, only a few will answer the call. Answer the call. It might be the last call of all. Come on, somebody. Calling is not something supernatural. I'm going to say it again. Calling is not something supernatural. It's God's plan and purpose for your life. My children will know my voice. My sheep will know my voice. Come on, somebody. So if if we do, we, we need to understand that. In business, we say, what is your vocation? What is your career? What is your job? What do you do? We ask that question. And the word vocation comes from the Latin word vo, vos, which means voice, where we get the word vocal or vocalized voice. Your vocation is your calling. That's your calling. That's your calling. So some people are called to, to teach school. They're, they're called to do real estate or raise kids or do accounting or drive a truck or run for office or make music. We're all called by God to do something. Come on, somebody. And God calls us to things, you know. You know, you just don't say, well, you know, you need to hear the call. And when you hear the call, you need to respond to God. So God has intentionally called us to do different things. So everybody in the world, things get done. Come on, somebody. Now, if everybody was called to preach, when when we had, uh, you know, need of first responders, we wouldn't have uh, the firemen that's with us this morning. We wouldn't have them, you know. How many of you know we need the firemen to do the first responders? 
So everybody has a call. Everybody has something that they do, and we need to do it. Come on, somebody. Whatever that is. How many of us are going to be hungry after church and probably go through, get some food somewhere? Hello? Unless you've already gotten on the crock pot or whatever, but anyway, <laughs> that's good too. But how many of you know everybody has a job to do? Everybody has a job to do. So if he called us to be pastors, if he called us all to be pastors, there would be a lot of things that wouldn't get done. I'm so glad he called my son Jacob to be the music lover. And, and you know, just so compliment. He and I are so different. We are so different. But we work together so good. Why? Because, I, you know, there's things he can do on a computer. All I can do is just admire it. What was that? I don't know what that was. I don't know what he just did. And also, he gets up there tickling those ivories. Folks, I'll tell you what, I'd like to be able to do that. But you know what? I'm, that's not my first call. Come on, somebody. And everybody needs to know what their call is. It says here that Jesus called him. Come on, get up. Get to your feet. He's calling you. Here's the point, folks. Blind Bartimaeus could have missed God's call if he wasn't listening. He couldn't see him, but he was listening. Hello. He was listening. Look at Isaiah 30. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In repentance and rest is your salvation. You know the scripture says that Jesus said to his disciples, come ye apart and rest a while. One fellow says, if, you know, if you don't do that in ministry and things in your life, you're going to come apart. How many of you know all of us need a little vacation here and there? How many of you know we need to get away sometimes? Why? Because we get that rest. So here it says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In other words, when I turn and I go God's way and I rest in his grace, I'm saved. It goes on to say, in quietness and trust is your strength. In quietness and trust is your strength. And blind Barnabas, he received his sight that day. Notice, you don't get strength from a pill or from a bottle. You don't get strength from TV. Come on, somebody. I'm not, I'm not against all of those things, but I'm saying if you want your strength, there's other places you got to get it. You don't get strength from listening to talk radio. Come on, somebody. Or whatever news channel that you watch, you don't get your strength there. Matter of fact, sometimes some of the news is so depressing. I could just be on cloud nine and turn the news on like, oh, turn that thing off. They, they making money. They want to make money off of us. Come on, somebody. You get strength in quietness and trust. So to overcome stress, you have to have periods of quietness. Where you can hear the call of God in your life. I would suggest to you sometimes just put on some, you know, worship music low. Amen. Just get in prayer and take a little bit of time in the presence of the Lord. And you know what? At that kind of a prayer time, I'm going to tell you something. You talk about something that will get you strong, that will get you strong. If you're not doing that, if you're not doing that, the enemy's just pounding you, and you know you're not, you, you're not, you don't have that strength to overcome. Your strength and quietness and trust overcome stress. You've got to have those periods. That's why periodically you need to just get alone with God and be quiet. Somebody say amen. Let's go then to the fourth uh, point we got this morning, fourth, fourth step. Tell Jesus what you want. Tell Jesus what you want. This is what Blind Bartimaeus did. Jesus calls him. He goes up, and notice it says in chapter 18, verse 40, when he, Blind Bartimaeus, came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. I love this because it's so simple. And, and nobody could say it's too hard to understand. It, it, it's not complicated at all to get your vision back. You just tell God what you want, and then God takes care of it. Come on, somebody. And I love the fact that Jesus calls uh, Barnabas. This blind guy walks up to Jesus, and Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? 
And blind Bartimaeus doesn't go into a long speech. <laughs> well, it started back in 1942. No, no, no. He didn't do that at all. I love the, flag, uh, the fact that uh, Jesus calls Bartimaeus. This blind man walks up to him and Jesus says, what do you want me to do? He doesn't go back into why he was blind. Hello. He just says, I'd like to see you, Lord. I'd like my sight restored. And Jesus said, well, here's your sight. God bless you. It's pretty simple, wasn't it? He asked, he got it. Now, it took all of three seconds. I, 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 I'd like to see that. You know, all of three seconds. Wow, think about that. All of three seconds. That's all it took. Receiving your sight, your faith has healed you. That's what he said. Now, he's he asking a miracle, and if he's asking like he's asking for the time of day, I mean, it's just like he wants a miracle, like I want, I want my sight restored. How many of you know that receiving, you know, restoring sight would be a miracle? If a blind man was blind, and you prayed and your sight came back, that'd be a miracle. And, you know, but, but it was just like he's asking for the time of day, okay? He asked us, you know, he asked for a miracle, you know, and God healed him. Now, people think, should I set goals? You know, goals are statements of faith that are okay. The Bible says that God loves when we trust him. He loves faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I think we need to have some goals. Come on, somebody. Faith statements, whatever you want to call it. And writing your vision down makes it more specific. It makes it more clear. And uh, obviously, Brian Bartimaeus couldn't write it down. Come on, somebody. He couldn't see. But he knew what he wanted. But, but he's thinking about the one thing that he wanted all of his entire life. You know, and Jesus comes up and says, what do you want me to do for you? Here's the question. What in the world did Jesus ask that? Why in the world did Jesus ask that? Isn't he the son of God? Doesn't he know everything? Yes. So doesn't he know everything about everybody? Yes. Didn't he create blind Bartimaeus? Didn't he make him? Yes, 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 yes. Hasn't he seen every day of his life and knows about this man? Yes. Hasn't he known Bartimaeus wanted to be healed? Yes. Uh, could he not read Bartimaeus' mind? How many of you believe Jesus could have read his mind? Does he not already know the answer in advance? Yes. So why in the world, when Jesus calls the blind man, why does he say, what do you want me to do for you? Hmm. Every time God asks a question, it's never for his benefit. It's never for his benefit. He already knows. He already knows. He knows the answer. When God asks you a question, it's not because he wants you to know the answer. He wants you to have it clarified in your mind. Jesus knew what blind Bartimaeus wanted. Okay? And the question is for your benefit. What is he doing here? He's given blind Bartimaeus the opportunity to publicly announce his faith goal in God. And see, some of you are going to have to, you don't have, you know, you don't have to write it down. He didn't write it down, but he knew it in his heart. Come on, somebody. And he verbalized it. He spoke it out. That's the reason I believe sometimes we just need to speak things out, you know, and, and, and it does something for us. Come on, somebody. And, and, and when we have that in our hearts, and, and, and it, the, the question is for our benefit. Listen very carefully. If you expect to receive something from God, then you tell God what you want in advance, and you announce it publicly. I won't be, let somebody else know it. Begin to say it out and, 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 and clear it in your mind. It took a lot of courage for Bartimaeus, this blind guy, to answer that crowd and to say that publicly. I want to receive my sight. It took a lot of courage. Look at Romans 8.32. The Bible says, since God did not spare his own son, he sent Jesus to die for us, but gave him up for us all. If God loved us enough to send Jesus on the cross... Wouldn't God, wouldn't that same God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? Amen. You know what? God knows exactly where you are today. And he knows exactly what you need today. 
and he's ready to give it to you. Somebody say amen. amen. Number five, write this down. You receive your vision in faith. And that's what blind Bartimaeus did. He received it in faith. The Bible says Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately. immediately he received his sight. I want you to circle a couple words there. Circle receive and the word faith. Receive in faith. He said, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. You see, receiving and faith, they go together. And receiving and faith go together. If you don't believe, then you won't receive. You've heard me say that so many times. But folks, sometimes we got to go back and say that again because we forget. You know, that's the reason, you know, it says remember why. Because we forget. How many, of you, how many of you forgot something in 2019? I could probably say, how many of you forgot something today? Yeah. If you don't believe, then you won't receive. The two go together. There were people in your life who were naysayers, just like Bartimaeus had. You've got them in your life. People say, just stay where you are. Don't try to become something that you've never been before. They're naysayers in your life, and you have to ignore them. When Jesus calls you, it doesn't matter what other people think. Here's food for thought. What other people think is none of your business. Let me say it again. Some of you get that about 12 o'clock. What other people think is none of your business. You got to say it three times to get everybody in on it. What other people think is none of your business. You know, if you could just come to that. You know what? Don't worry about what other people think. If, you're, if, if you live in your life that way, you're a miserable person. You really are. You're a miserable person. When Jesus calls you to do something, you do what he calls you to do. You step out in faith. You don't think about what other people are thinking about it. You receive the vision that he has for you. And notice this. Blind Bartimaeus did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now that's going to, some people are like, what? Well, let me show you. He was a stranger to him. But he received. There may be people who are saying, I don't have this personal relationship with Jesus. I don't know him well enough to ask him to do anything for me. So, I just need to sit over here and be quiet and mind my own business. Well, don't ever be afraid that you don't know the Lord well enough to ask him for something. Because blind Bartimaeus did. And he didn't know him. Blind Bartimaeus did not know Jesus personally. The relationship came after the request. You know, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. You know, God shows his love. God shows his care. God shows how good he is. And then it, it touches people's hearts. It touches people's lives. It causes them to change. Come on, somebody. And that's the kind of God that we have. You know, some people have it backwards. They, they think, you know, God does not hear sinners' prayers. Well, then nobody will be saved then. That's stupid. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Well, you know, God don't hear sinners' prayers. We heard mine. Are you, how many saved this morning? We heard yours. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Well, one of the dumbest anyway. Oh, I've heard some. So, did he just sit over there? No, he did something. Bartimaeus did not know him personally. The relationship came later. The relationship came after the healing. The Lord, the Lord can do the same for you in your life today. Somebody say amen. So don't be afraid. You've got to ask him. Look at, look at the scriptures i got for you. John 1. From the fullness of his grace, we all receive one blessing after another. And then Romans 4 says, faith is the key. God's promise is given to us as a free gift. You know, how many of you know our salvation was free? It cost him a price, but it, it, it was free to us. Somebody say amen. So it's nothing you had to do. You didn't have to do all these uh, things, you know, 
uh, whatever. There's some people think that. They got in their mind they have to do something before they're saved. The Bible says those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when you call upon the name of the Lord, God hears that and God saves you. So to get your vision back, you've got to tell God exactly what you want. Lord, this is what I need. And don't be vague about it. You be specific about it. And you have to receive it by faith. And then the last step, sixth step, stick with Jesus on the road he travels. Stick with Jesus on the road that he travels. If you want to keep your vision and you don't want to have your vision leak or don't want your vi- to lose it, you need to stay on the road with Jesus on the road that he travels. Let me explain that. Look at verse 43. Now, this is exactly what happened to blind Bartimaeus after he got his vision restored. Verse 43 says, immediately he, speaking of blind Bartimaeus, the blind guy, received his sight, notice this, and he, help me out, followed Jesus. What did he do? Followed Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you would have followed Jesus too? It's like, whoa, whoa, hallelujah. Yes. And he probably seen more, you know, probably seen the dead raised. He probably seen the leopard cleansed. He's seen all kinds of things. But he followed Jesus from that day forward. Circle the word followed him. Praising God. It says he was praising God. He got into it. Come on, somebody. He got into it. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Wow, look what happened here this day. Mark 10's account of this says, he regained his sight and began following Jesus on the road. Circle the phrase, on the road. Notice he was following Jesus on the road. Notice that what happened when he encountered Jesus, he got his vision back. Look at verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside. Circle the word roadside. And then when his vision restored, the last verse of the, it says now he followed, he's following Jesus. He was sitting as a beggar. Now he's following Jesus on the roadside. He's one of them. Come on, somebody. He become one of them. You know what? You can just sit in your situation if you want to, or you can hear the call of God today and be restored. Come on, somebody. Amen. Your marriage can be restored. Your relationships can be restored. You can get things right with God going into 2020 and into this year. And, and, and things can change for you if you'll hear God and do what he did. Here's the most important question of the day. Which of the two phrases is going to describe you in the next few years? Are you going to be sitting on the side of the road watching life pass you by? Are you going to hear the call and follow Jesus. How many of you willing to follow, ready to follow Jesus? Hallelujah. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. And I know many of you, most of you are here are already saved today. But you know what? I believe God has some new things for us in this coming year. Somebody say amen. amen. Exciting things. And, and again, some of us might be in that transitional thing and that uh, transforming thing, I should say, of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world. Uh, but be you transformed, you know, like the caterpillar. Yeah. But let me tell you something. Some of you are going to spread your wings like the butterfly this year. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And God's going to give you what you want. Did you get anything out of this today? Put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap. Yeah.